everybody. Welcome once again. This is Deconstructing the Psyche. This is your man of the hour, Michael. Hey everyone, this is Eamon. Your second man of the hour. Second person in command. There you go. <laughs> Master and his emissary. Oh. Ian McGilchrist. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know who's the master and who's the emissary. Well, I'm not into that. Maybe both. Submission and <laughs> control. Well, yeah. Fourth of July weekend. Uh, we got some fireworks going off in the background. People in Los Angeles like to get started early every year. It's a great time. So just be aware. There might be some booms going on. Yeah. Fourth of July, my favorite holiday. Is it? Yeah. Why? The same thing. The fireworks, the booms, the barbecues, the people. It's like one holiday. Babes, bombs, and bullets. Is that Ooh. why? Dang. <laughs> I didn't put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like for me, we're off topic, but it's like so different than Christmas. I was just talking to a friend about this the other uh, day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Christmas for me seems like a holiday that's just so depressing. Mm. Well, like the 4th of July or even a Halloween seems like a holiday. Like, yeah. Halloween's not really a holiday, but it seems like just a kind of a holiday or celebration where you actually have fun. Yeah. Versus that season. Christmas is very dark. Yeah. I mean, it's dark at that time of the year. It's one of the darkest times of the year. So that makes sense. Uh, it would be a little bit more depressing. I guess we'll get to that when we talk about the Christmas films. <laughs> we'll do uh, Die Hard. We should do The Grinch. Or The Grinch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on Christmas. If we're still on the air, who knows? Um, all right, so this week we watched Full Metal Jacket, <clears throat> another Kubrick film. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm, me myself, I'm in awe of Kubrick. I think he's a genius. I've watched, I haven't watched all of his films, but the ones that I have seen, I'm, I am I continue to watch over and over again and just always find new material to engage with. And this one was no different where I, mm. I don't know, I was just blown away. Uh, we were just talking about this, about just our interest or appreciation of the movie. I really like the movie. It seemed like you had a different opinion, perhaps. Maybe you liked the first half. I feel like... Not the second half as much. Yeah, this movie, I saw it when I was younger, too. Like, a lot of these Kubrick films, I saw it when I was in high school. Hmm. Or, yeah, early early 20s. Yeah. Um, so early college years, but... No, it's so different to watch it when you're in your 20s and now you're in your oh, 30s yeah. and just watching it. You have a different interpretation. For sure. Especially given the background and psychology that I have now... I see it differently than I did back then. Yeah. Was it my favorite movie? I found Clockwork Orange to be... So far. Better than this yeah. one. Okay. Right. We're um, also planning on watching The Shining. The Shining. Right. We're going to watch the, the Shining on 4th of July. We're going to we're gonna actually watch a movie together. Yeah, we are. And that's what we're going to do the next podcast on. So that we'll... I'll, we have to keep waiting to see what you think of Kubrick movies as we go. Because we still have a couple more to go. This is not... I don't hate the movie. Like, I'm saying I was entertained by it. There's yeah. so many one-liners that are really great, right? But I think what was happening for me is that the interpretations for me were a bit easy to understand. Okay. It wasn't like Melancholia. Yeah. That movie was difficult. Okay. I think. It's so abstract. But this one was just a bit more straightforward Okay. for me to understand. And maybe that's what I didn't like. I didn't find it too challenging mm. to understand. 
Well, well maybe through your interpretation, I'm wondering what you'll think about how that's what I'm, that's what I'm curious about. about the movie. No, I'm curious about hearing <laughs> your interpretation interpretations from a Jungian perspective. Yeah. Okay. So you want me to start yeah. off then? Go right ahead. Okay. So I have, I mean, I have two different ways of looking at this movie from a Jungian perspective. Uh, the, the second one we can talk about later and that's more, I'd say that's more in relation to the second half of the film. Mm-hmm. The first part of the film and the first theory that I'm going with is that what this movie is looking to explore is the way that we split off parts of the self. And so the self is a central union concept about the totality of the psyche hmm. and the totality of who we could be and what can lead to a whole wholeness within an individual. And I believe that part of the thing that Kubrick is trying to say in this film through his visual storytelling is that we often at the expense of different parts of ourself that could lead to a totality, we end up identifying or overly identifying with different aspects or identities of who we are. And so this comes out most glaringly, I think, in the first half of the movie in which we're seeing a bunch of mostly white, mostly male or almost all male uh, adults who are willing to fight and die for the country of the United States of America. And so in this movie, these people are asked to strictly identify with these roles of soldier, male, mostly uh, heterosexual, mostly white Mm -hmm. and Marines. So it's like, these are your, these are your identities and these are your roles. Right. And so from a union perspective, what I'm, I'm trying to hypothesize here is that, through your over identification with all those identities or roles, you split off many different possible parts of the psyche that could lead to a a fuller version of yourself. And so when we split off parts of the psyche that we don't believe are ourselves, that's what is then projected and seen as negative or the shadow of other people. And so throughout the movie, what you're seeing is that these soldiers are looking at everything that is other than them as shadow parts or things that they don't accept. So we get, for one, we get it with women for sure. Mm -hmm. So how, I mean, how are women treated in this movie? The women, there wasn't, I didn't see any women in the military corps. Uh, yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm just no, talking but about that's, in that's general. Important, right? Yeah, okay. They're not in the corps. Yeah, so, okay, they're that, not that yeah, air. You make a good point then. But then also, this is during the time when they were training for Vietnam. Sure. Right? So women in the film are portrayed as prostitutes. Yeah. The Asian that's women. That's their function There's the not, part. But we're not really shown white women in the film mm-hmm. or with women of ethnic background mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. We're only shown majority men, white men. Maybe they're two black males in the beginning of the film, the first yeah. part, there's one Hispanic, I think. 
and that was pretty much it. Everyone else was white. Yeah. Right. But even those, uh, the minority uh, male characters are have a lot of racist slurs pointed and directed towards them, and they kind of have to. They're almost needing to assimilate to the white culture in a way. It seems well, the military culture. Even yeah. the drill sergeant called everyone by their their slurred name. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Say everything. Everything that you you can hear about. Yeah. What do you What do you call that? Yeah. It's like a negative stereotype. Yeah. For like sure. stuff that I haven't heard in years. Yeah. Right. So. So, At the end of the day, he he said he sees them as just piles of shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. So race is another split off part of the self or of mm-hmm. the psyche in this movie, uh, other than mm-hmm. uh, women. So if you if you think about this from a Jungian perspective, is that you actually have to identify as a female or as a woman in some way in terms of your psyche, and that that's part of your what comprises your totality is that you have feminine characteristics and that you have a sort of anima no, within you. Not for the core, apparently. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, like, that is that is seen as other than you. And so then if it's other than you, it's okay to take advantage of it or to do whatever you want to it because it's not you. And so that's why they treat women so poorly in this movie and why they're objectified so much is because they've been conditioned to split it off from themselves. Another one besides that I picked up on, especially in the first half of the movie is the baby or the child. And so what happens when private pile messes up and why he's making mistakes? What do they make him do? They make him suck his thumb with his pants down and yeah, walk around as if he's a big baby. Yeah. So they, so what is that? showing about how they view being a child or being a baby they view it as weakness yeah right you're not a man Mm -hmm. right well you're not a soldier you're not a soldier you're a child you're you're a baby you can't be part of this group if you're that well they isolate private pile yeah yeah but well, he was actually a child, so I think that he was actually portraying that in a in way. In a way, yeah. Uh, he had, I mean, even with his body, he had kind of like the soft characteristics of a child. Fear like a child. And maybe as well. that's part of the reason that he was rejected so easily is because that's not part of the you know the dominant characteristics of all the other individuals. I just want to add that that scene when they hit him with the bars of soap, yeah, and he started to say, "Ow." Like a child, like yeah. a little, he like cries a, like a baby, like a little boy who's screaming, saying "ow, ow." Yeah. For me, that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't like the film when I watched it the first time. And again, <clears throat> I watched it again. It reminds me of Piggy from Lord of the <clears throat> Flies in a way. Who Piggy gets murdered? Yeah, with, with rock, right? Yeah. It's just difficult to see someone getting beaten like that. Yeah, well, especially because he he seems like a child, and you don't ever want to see a child being hurt. He doesn't function with that kind of yeah mentality mm-hmm. or characteristic that they're asking someone in the por- person in the court to, to portray yeah he didn't function i was wondering why why couldn't he have been dismissed and i think they do dismiss you know soldiers or soldiers who attempt to be soldiers yeah in the military like that but i felt yeah. that that was pretty tough to see yeah so he's kind of rejected and it's partially because of his childlike nature and they kind of <laughs> emphasize well, that a lot too what do we reject 
that which isn't ourselves we reject the shadow that's what i'm talking about so all, all so the, the shadow group, is that which you well, reject of yourself well so the group the idea of being in the military is that you don't leave a man behind you all form one platoon the, the platoon works as one mm-hmm. right that's mm-hmm. the idea yeah. we all work as one functioning well-oiled machine but if we have one part that doesn't work, mm. that part is cast out. Mm. I think Private Powell became that part that was cast out. Yeah. Right? He was the shadow that no one even cared about at the end. Yep. And he, he was starting to function, right? But then we go to the scene where the drill sergeant says, what is your ma- major malfunction mm-hmm. when Private Powell ends up killing him and himself? Yeah. Yeah. He was what you would call the shadow. The char- negative characteristics that you don't want within yourself that you you suppress and push away yeah and i think the group did that to him he felt outcasted by the group but that could be one part but the other part was this now that things were ending he all he knew was the group Mm -hmm. all he knew was this Mm -hmm. this is my rifle this is how i clean my rifle these are the people i'm around i'm a part of this group now when he's being told hey you're going to go into another position. Your Things are going to change. Yeah. I don't think that registered for him yeah. correctly. Yeah. He couldn't function in another kind of a unit. Mm. So I think that's what happened when he, he malfunctioned in a way. Yeah. The thing about being in the military, at least what from what I was portrayed in the film, mm-hmm. is that it's sort of robotic in a way. And I think okay. that's what Kubrick was trying to you know speak on oh yeah was that it's very robotic no one cares about your feelings you can't question anything no one cares about the feminine yeah. it's all masculine energy yeah. yeah right it's all masculine energy and private power was a representation of the other mm-hmm. the feminine mm-hmm. you have the other private private joker who yeah. is feminine as a journalist you can engage with the romantic side the pleasure side right he can per- engage with both he's actually sensitive yeah because of being a journalist being into literature yeah but he also took on the other role which is a healthy balance i think right saying i want to murder i'm here to kill people but i also want peace right yeah i want to get into him his character a little bit more at some point i guess really what i was going with that i think that private pile because of just being one-sided took on the other side both extremes yeah i don't think he could drop the identity of one no without destroying himself i mean and it seemed like he was getting to that point where he was forced to abandon a lot of notions about who he was yeah and then he he started to become pathological in a way where he was staring off into space and only focused on cleaning his gun and really not he, he didn't seem like a normal person anymore. And he was, he was starting to remind us of the people that the sergeant was mentioning when he was talking about former Marines. They were Marines, right? Section eight. Yeah. Marines that had done committed mass murders. <laughs> I like, I don't It's such a, I mean, I understand why that's in the movie, but why that person if that was a real person why he would think that was a good thing to uh, promote their their military group is that oh these are people who were trained through the marines and they ended up you know committing mass murders 
Meanwhile, we're watching the Private Pile kind of turning into one of those guys. I don't think Private Pile had the ego strength to be a part of the military in that no, way. He no. couldn't come back from that identity because when we're interjecting, right, we take on more right. aspects of ourselves, right? When we have enough space, should have enough space to take on another role, mm. right? For me, right? Mm. A young man, right? Um, a young man who, let's say, is not married yet, doesn't have a family yet, but when you have those you start to pick up those kinds of identity you get married, you have yeah. kids. Yeah. Then you start to become this person. But for him, he, he may have had a history. Yeah. May have had some family, but that's just all he knew. Yeah. Right. And to transition into becoming a soldier is something he did accept full well. He became the soldier, mm. but then being asked to transition into another area of his life, mm. I think that's what caused him to really Interesting. Yeah. become, I guess, malfunctioned in a way. Yeah. But to become destabilized in terms of his personality. So he, I think, wanted just to stay there. Maybe. In yeah. the group. He didn't want to change, it seemed like. And when thing, when he was told, hey, you're going to leave and you're going into another unit. Mm-hmm. This is going to be your new identity. Mm. That's what I think triggered him to say, well, fuck that. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was on a conscious level, but I think it triggered his brain into... There's change happening. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It was like too stressful for him, maybe. Yeah, there was a break, I think, in Mm. that point. So if there was a break, why couldn't he come back out of it? Right? Carl Jung talked about when he went through his break, right? His psychotic break, where he calls it the underworld. Mm -hmm. He could come back out of it. Yeah. He would do it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. He would come back at it by reminding himself of the different roles he played in this life. Yeah. Being a father, being a husband well, sort of thing. But, I mean, you're you're kind of getting at the point right now maybe is that maybe he didn't have any of that. Maybe he didn't have anything tying him down to any other form of reality. And it seems like in that time and space when he started to become pathological, that that was all that was his life it was just cleaning his gun and going to practice and he became desensitized to the world around him and maybe that's what you're speaking to is when he realized that he was going to have to go out into the world again Mm -hmm. it couldn't there was no way to do it because he had been conditioned to just operate within this training ground you know if we go back to him being a child Right, being a child, not having any ego strength, because that's what he was. And essentially, he was a child. I get the image in my mind of him climbing up the mm. the obstacle course, right, climbing up one of the walls, mm-hmm. but being so afraid to put his leg over the other side. Yeah, the sergeant yells at him, "Get, get down!" Yeah, it, it's up to Private Joker to help him climb over the wall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, for me, it's like okay, he is a child. He takes on the identity of a soldier. I think that was too much for him. He didn't even reach a phase of adolescence yeah. at all. Yeah. Right. He just became the soldier, adult, a killer machine. Yeah. He didn't know then what was right or wrong. He had no moral compass yeah, or consciousness. For sure. Right. I mean, you could make the same comparison to uh, soldiers, maybe not just in this movie, but in real life where they go and they go to war and that's, who, what they get trained for and that becomes their life and then they're asked to come back into 
you know, normal living, quote unquote, and they're, they don't know how to function anymore because everything that they've been trained for and conditioned for is, is out there. Well, it becomes integrated. It becomes a part of the identity for the amount of years that they've been inside yeah. of the branch of military that they're in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then we go into, okay, how do you get them to come back out? Yeah. It shouldn't be like, hey, let's let you back into the general public in a mm. way. It's sort of like, okay, we're going to let you integrate back into the general public yeah. or the general culture. It has to be a transition. You have to be able to transition because... In a way, it is important to transition in a healthy way. Yeah. Meaning, okay, you have to start slowly integrating back into your environment. How do we introduce new fish to old to old fishes? We we put them into the tank first. Mm. We 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 socialize them first, right? The first in their bag, right? We let them socialize with each other, and then we actually let go of the bag and let them into the water. Mm. Right, we don't just put them in the water at first. Yeah, because something might happen. Yeah, but that's obviously not what's happening here. And I mean, even when they come to training, that's the what, way that you integrate in is by getting your head shaved. That's <laughs> no, that's different because we're talking about when they get out. I know, but I'm I'm saying I don't think that they do that when they get out either. No, they didn't do that when they get out. You're, yeah. you're right. Um, it's abrupt. It exactly. It is abrupt. And with private pile, I think the change was abrupt. Yeah, it was too much for him to handle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's going back to this idea of the totality of the self. I think that he he and him being a baby and the, the idea of the baby or the child was a split off function for everybody, which I think could harm them very greatly because... It's kind of like rejecting your inner child, rejecting the idea that you were once a child or you were once a baby. And so you can only be a man. You can only be an adult. And so it's easy to then kill children and women, which is another thing that we're seeing in this movie from some of the soldiers is they're killing women and children. I don't even think they want them to be men. Because the thing about being a man is that at least a man has critical thinking, right? You would a, think so. But... A man would it? Well, a man would be able to think for themselves. They're not taking on the role of a man. They're taking on the role of a soldier. It's a stereotyped version. Well, I, I think that's what I'm saying. Is it's it's the idea of what a man is based off of the army or based off of the well, sergeant's words. How would you define a soldier? I mean, I think through this movie, it's somebody that kills another person. Right, and men. Kills the enemy. But there are men, let's say according to the film, mm-hmm. regular citizens yeah. who are don't kill people. Yeah. So I don't think it's really about being a man, but it's sort of maybe if there was an archetypal figure of being a warrior. Yeah. Where this is not just a man. These men are soldiers. Yeah. So it's even disvowing the idea of a baby where we're saying... <clears throat> take on the role of a soldier a machine that kills yeah well part of the soldier for them is also always having your rifle and your rifle as part of who you are exactly which doesn't necessarily mean that's the case i mean just because you're a soldier doesn't mean that you always have to have a rifle or that that's such an important part of you a soldier could be you could be a peacetime soldier you could be a soldier that's helping out without violence or without fighting somebody according well according to the film right because we're just talking about the film yeah 
one of the prayers they say is, right, mm. uh, like, my rifle is yeah. who I am. It's a part of who I yeah, am. Yeah. So, so according to the film. This is my rifle. This is my gun exchanging between holding their gun and holding their penis. Yeah. <laughs> They're interchangeable. It's a part I use of- both of them for violence. I use both of them for attacking. I use both of them for power over other people. How symbolic, right? Yeah. The, the, the gun is uh, the gun and the phallus are a symbol for power, dominance, dominance, right? And when do they treat women like nothing? Yeah, they're. But right. the, that's what I'm saying is the women are split off. Women are considered other. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last part of the other that I was considering is the Vietnamese people. Oh yeah. And they're they're the ultimate other for them. They're not they're not white. They're not American. They're not soldiers. Even the soldiers they they don't they don't respect them. They're they're the enemy. And I think that's part of what you're being trained in in those situations too is you have to see people as other and the enemy to be able to feel okay about ending their lives and seeing them as like, well, they're not human really. And I think that's what happened in a lot of these war movies is seeing people as non-human. They see, that's why they use those types of names to refer to them. So it makes it easier to kill them. Exactly. It dehumanizes the other. The other, I mean, this is a, there's a connection between the, the last movie we watched in Clockwork Orange and this, even though they're not linear and chronological order of Kubrick's films, mm-hmm. but the, he has a lot of themes that were crossing over between his movies. And this is another, this is what we're seeing in Clockwork Orange too the dehumanization, the objectification of people, yeah. seeing people as things. For the roles that they have to play, being a soldier, at least in the film they do have to see people as things to justify, yeah. you know, the killings to sure. justify even just taking a life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So that's the first union theory. Okay. The second union theory, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one is related to the Joker character. So we haven't really talked about him too much. Okay. I believe that, I mean, there's a there's a direct union reference, obviously, in this movie at one point. A duality, right? Yes, but I think that he Kubrick is using Joker as a example of a man with a neurosis, and so when we use that word, we're using it in the union terminology of what does it mean to have a neurosis or what does it mean to be neurotic Mm -hmm. i think it's very different from more modern conceptions but if you go into jung jung's work you'll find what he's talking about in terms of a neurosis is somebody who is split between their their mind in some way or their brain and their feeling or their heart Mm. And it's somebody who has not made a decision of how they're going to live their life. And so I think one of the central tensions that's going on in this movie is there we're, we're seeing what is Joker going to do? How is he going to decide to live his life? And, but what you're, you end up finding is throughout the movie, he's oscillating 
between two different modes of being. Right. And so one mode of being is being the more humane and feeling-oriented individual. Effeminate. Perhaps part of that, yes. The totality of a person. And the other side is going along with the military and going along with the rules and going along with the social structure. Yeah. But he's not committing to either one of them. And so because he hasn't committed, he's a, he's neurotic. Mm. He hasn't chosen. He's, he's ambivalent about a lot of things. And so this is kind of his overall character in the movie, I would say, is that, you know, along with his, his name, his nickname, he thinks everything's a joke. Mm-hmm. Everything doesn't really, nothing really matters to him. Everything is kind of like, he has this grin on his face throughout the movie, like, uh, he's, he's non-committal. That's what I would say Jung's talking about in terms of the uh, neurotic. Yeah, that's true. Do you think, I mean, I don't know if you, if you're seeing that in terms of what I'm talking about with that character. Let me give you a couple of examples. Yeah, go ahead. So in the first half of the film, when they're in the basic training, mm-hmm. we see a couple of examples of Joker going between two ways. And so one that sticks out to my mind is how he was with Private Pyle. So when he's assigned to train Pyle, he's very caring. He's very understanding. He actually is like a teacher in a way where he's, guiding him and he's taking the time and he's sitting down with him. He's encouraging him. He's like, Hey, you can do good. Right. You can do well, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. Right. I, I think that's when he's starting to go more with his like feeling his heart side. Right. But then what happens after that, when private pile messes up, he beats him with the soap and who, so who's he going along with there? The group, the group. Right. So he's one moment. He's, he is the caring guy. One moment he is not. It's hard to contradict the group. It's hard not to sure. Because he was hesitating. I'm not saying it's easy. He was no, it's not that, but he was hesitating. Yeah. He's, he, he wasn't was, sure. That, well, he was he was Private Powell's mentor. Exactly. You know, but he was actually angry yeah. with the group. He was hesitating. The other guy was saying, Go for it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. He had to do yeah. it to survive. So he's what I'm talking about. He's ambivalent. Mm-hmm. He's kind of in between. But I feel like for at least for him in that instance he has to integrate the ideas of the group to be able to survive within the group because if he doesn't he's an outcast yeah. he becomes essentially the same as private pile but isn't that wouldn't that be then his choice to follow maybe his internal his internal guide or his the heart like I'm talking about if he did make that decision it would be and it wouldn't be easy but he would be deciding something. He didn't have to hit him. No. No. I mean, everyone else beat him. Yeah. But yeah. he decided to become part yeah. of the group. Yeah. Because he did that, that was another, you know, notch yeah. that really affected Private Pop. Yeah. Because everyone hated sure. him. He took that in. And after that beating, even from his own mentor, that's when Private Pile started to change. Yeah. So same thing then happens at the end of the first half of the movie when private Paul's in the bathroom and he's about to shoot right yeah he's he's prepared to do something joker comes in and he seems concerned he right. seems like he knows something's wrong mm-hmm. and he wants to help him 
but how does he respond to the guy to him being in the bathroom with his gun does he does he reach out in terms of like no hey, i want to help you like you know no he says you know the other he said put that away we're both going to get in trouble yeah we're going to yeah. be in a world of shit yeah and then the the colonel comes in or whatever his name is mm. and the way he even informs the colonel or the sergeant is mm. he has to go through the directive order still where he can't talk until he's been ta- spoken to. He can't talk to him on a human yeah. level. Yeah. And so, that's what Private Powell needed at that point. That's what I expected from the drill sergeant, at least, for him to tone it down. Yeah, like, let's get out of our... our yeah, but to talk to him like a human being yeah. rather than saying, what is your major malfunction? Let's get out of the military talk for a second. Yeah, and just because I feel like if he would have talked to him like a normal human being, yeah. he would have dropped the gun yeah. because he wouldn't have been the role where he's like, everyone is my enemy. Yeah. Because at that point, everyone was his enemy. Mm-hmm. He was in a state, I think, of delusion at that point, seeing people as his enemy ready to kill the sergeant and then even private joker yeah right yeah and that, that's what was tough about the film is like when these characters take on this identity they're not able to leave it they're not able to drop it yeah because you see joker being mm-hmm. able to, to go in between both yeah private pile wasn't able nor was the sergeant either mm-hmm. right and it's about who has the gun at that point yeah you know and for me it's like a dog that you have to put down yeah a dog that is rabid that was private pile yeah and he needed to be put down yeah he put himself down but at least the you know the sergeant he's he's very one-minded like he we don't have any questions about how he's gonna operate in these situations whereas like i'm saying joker it seemed like he could have gone either way in that situation he could have kind of identified with the human aspect of himself yeah or he or he could have gone with the system and he he goes with the system again yeah jokers i don't even think he was battling between one or the other i think joker at that point was already accepting well he's a part of the system but i and i i agree with you but i think this is goes on for the rest of the movie well So, so what there's a particular scene where well, he's a journalist in yeah. part two okay. of the movie, right? In the second part of the film. Yeah. And they're at a round table. Or they're at a table and they're talking. There's a to talk about. And he's a journalist. Yes. And he's, he does share, hey, I want to be honest about yeah. what I'm reporting to people. Yeah. And the guy says, no, don't be honest. Yes. We want the soldiers to be <laughs> motivated. About. And he's like, no, we should be honest about what actually is happening. Yeah. He has some conviction for honest journalism. which He is questioning it. But that's another role that one plays. Journalists, ideally, are supposed to create a sense of honesty, right? What what I share with my public or my listeners yeah. comes from a place of facts. That's why we trust. We should be able to trust journalists. We should be. They report the facts. That's what but, he's. That's what he's getting at. But that is the integrity of being the identity of a journalist. Yeah. There's some integrity to it. Yeah. But then the other guy who's in command of him says, "No, do not report that. Yeah. Report something that you know motivates Up- the guys to uplifting, uplifts the guys yeah, yeah. and motivates the guys yeah. because they're the ones who are reading. They're your audience. Yeah. And he disagrees with that. He's like, I want to report the truth. Yeah. So we see him battling with another form of identity: right. yeah, the sure. journalist versus the soldier. Yeah. 
and he even tells the guy, you know, I've, we've heard some scuttlebutt about the ceasefire not happening and mm-hmm. that they're going to change it up on us. And the guy's like, no, that they say that every year, you know, dismiss it. He's trying to give him good information and he won't listen to it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, from what you're saying, he's, he's doing these things, mm-hmm. but he only pushes so hard. Joker. Yeah. He doesn't push enough. It's like, this is kind of what I'm talking about with this ambivalence is if he gets any resistance, he kind of just like, all right, okay. And he, and he, and he's okay. He doesn't, he doesn't go further. So this is what I'm talking about in terms of the neurosis and that he, he's in the middle all the time. He's not willing to go to either side. (laughs) He's always caught in between and that's the that's what this is what Jung was talking about and that you end up living this life where you're not committed in any way you're not committed to any ideology and you're not committed to yourself and your values either you're just kind of going along with it almost I don't think you know look I think going along with it in terms of where he is in the military is appropriate right because, you could say that about anything, though. Yeah, but you have to. Yeah, you can, but you have to be able to turn it off. Yeah. But the role that he's playing, you can't really turn it off in terms of you're in combat, right? You have you have to go along with it because if you say, okay, I want to contradict that, like if I say I want to report on this, but you're telling me I shouldn't report on this, but I have my convictions. I know. Well, then you're going to be demoted. There is going sure. to be... And I think he actually was. That's why he was sent out to battle in the first place. I don't know. Wasn't that why he was sent? I No, I think they sent him out to go capture uh, a story. Yeah, but the motivation to go capture a story was because I think the guy was already annoyed of him. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, no, I think that's what it was. Because okay. then he says, well, you're going to go, and then this, other's, this other guy's going to go mm. with you. Okay. And he's like, well, I don't really want him to go. Well, he's going to go anyways. So maybe he was pushing just enough to piss that guy off, but yeah. it still wasn't enough to kind of do the, the right thing in terms of getting the right information for the story or telling the truth, <laughs> was it? I think he was attempting to. He was and attempting. He's, he's showing some resistance because of the journalistic, yeah. the morals of being a journalist. Sure. That's what he was wanting to do. But not hard enough, I think. I think it was enough to make the guy send him out and say, I want to get yeah. rid of you. I don't want to deal yeah. with you. Right. Um, okay. But. So, okay. What, with the, what I want to say is that yeah. towards the end, though, he. It's because you're right. He's battling between being a soldier and being a journalist. And now when he's in active battle... Well, not just being a soldier and a journalist, a soldier and a human being, I think. That's what he, they're getting at with this. Okay. Because the, the journalist is... It, like, the way that you're talking about being a journalist, I think that is the human way of being a journalist, is trying to tell the truth and trying to provide accurate information that you know is is accurate as opposed to trying to deceive people well, being a soldier is also being human but it's another kind of human where it you can have can be well, being a journalist can be as well there's no contradiction between one and the other but i'm just saying that those are two different roles that this private um joker's portraying yeah where he's switching between one or the other yeah what i was going to say though is that at the end when he does 
kill the sniper. Okay, let's get to let's do that after. Okay. I I, I want to talk about that, but I think there's I want to make one go ahead one more point before we get there. Okay. Or maybe two. So also in the helicopter when mm-hmm. they're going with that guy, the guy's shooting innocent people on the land. <laughs> yeah. Right? What is it? So what does Joker do? I think he, he laughs. He, he's just like, are you supposed to be doing that? Or something like that. That's the other guy, no? No, that's him. That's him? Oh. But he doesn't... It's another example. It's like, this guy is shooting... Just what does he say? Innocent he, people on the land for no reason. He's saying, saying something like, as get he... Get some, get some, yeah. get some. And what? Joker is just like... It's like, what I the... I guess f- I'm just going to watch this guy do this. Yeah, it's like, what the but fuck? But this, this is another example I'm talking about is like... He's just passive to it. He's yeah. just observing things and not doing anything. But, so the term, like he could take the choice of like I'm gonna go and do that too, but can't. he doesn't even do that. Oh, he could take the choice of becoming like that. Yeah, that's what I'm. I think that's what this movie is trying is is. He's not like that. But this is, I think that's what this movie is playing with the whole time is. Are you going to become this sol- these types of soldiers, or are you going to go your own way? But we see him and he doesn't choose until the end i think which is what you were just talking about so let's talk I, about the sniper scene okay but before that we see him becoming this person even with the bar of soap i think yeah, for, for him, sure <laughs> it's it's a slow it's a slow i think for progress him, or process i think what for his character he's doing what one has to do to survive in that role right because then you come but that's what I'm saying is you could say that about any role. I mean, sure, it's a very there's a lot at stake being a soldier and your life's on the line. But I feel like you say that about a lot of parts of life is that uh-huh. you're you're doing what you need to do. Not every job asks you to hurt somebody or kill somebody. No, but it could be um, it could be in less serious ways where you're doing what you need to do. That's true. But this movie, if we're talking just about the film. I think it's an extreme of that because there could be other things that maybe aren't unethically correct yeah. that you don't have to engage in. Sure. You can say, well, that's not who I am. Yeah, yeah. It goes against my morals and values. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Example, I get high at work. I'm not going to get high at work. That's not, a, that, that's inappropriate. Yeah. But okay. You have to beat this guy with a bar of soap. Right. Why? He didn't have to. But he had to to be part of the group. To be part of the group and to show the group that hey, I'm a part of you Solidarity. guys. Solidarity. I'm not this piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not private pile because private pile stands for a private piece of shit. Pile piece of shit. Yeah. Other, stack, other than do they stack shit that high? Yeah. I didn't know they stack shit that high. Yeah. Where you're from, sort of thing. Yeah. That's what the drill sergeant was saying to this guy. He didn't want to be like that. But you yeah. see him flirting with the idea of soldier who I am as a as just a person, a human yes. being, yeah. you're, you're part, a human being, yep. a journalist, a human being. When he murdered the girl, when he didn't murder her, he killed the sniper at the end. Was he not being human? Okay. So she was saying it. Let's shoot me. Let's go through this. So he walks up to the, the sniper and so she's another example of a split off part of the self for them because it's a younger uh female right all right so it's it's and it's there she's vietnamese so it's mm-hmm. complete other and he has a chance to shoot her but he met he messes up he fumbles 
and he, he, he gets really scared and he's, he's nearly killed himself. I don't think that's an accident that, that that's part of this movie because it's setting up this last part where he's face to face with her. Right. right. Yeah. So what does he say about her when she's laying on the floor dying? What is it? We should do something about it. We need to do something. We can't just leave her here. Right. Right. Okay. But what happens? What what do the other people say? They interpret it as kill her or something else, right? We should save her, I think. They want to leave her. Yeah. They want to let her rot. Yeah. She's dead meat. That's what they say. Let the rats eat her. Yeah. And, but then they're like, okay, well, you want, you want to do it? Do it. Waste her. Yeah. But he, he doesn't do it right away. No. He struggles with it. Why right. is he struggling so hard in that in that when you, act? You don't have the enemy, right? When you don't have the enemy you're looking at, it's a lot, probably a lot easier okay. to shoot somebody who you don't know what they look like. Sure. Right up front, yeah. But when you have someone kneeling before you, I mean, dead, basically dead in front of you. What's the point of killing them? There's no resistance. They're weak. Okay. She's a woman. Yeah. A young woman, a child. Yeah. It's weak, right? Why would you kill them? Let let them die. They're already as good as dead, anyways. Why end it for them? Yeah. But ending it for them would be showing this person compassion. Because this person is in pain, right? You put when we kill creatures like our dogs or uh-huh. our cats uh-huh. when they're in pain, it's because we're doing it out of compassion. They're like they're in pain, they're suffering. Let's put them out of their misery. This person killed their friends, people in their platoon, right? They're the she is the enemy, but par- Private Joker is showing her com- some empathy, saying is she she is in pain let me shoot her i'm i don't know if he is i think he is i my my question to you is what how does what on his face in the in his expression mm-hmm. shows compassion towards this other person when he actually says okay there's one part he he says that with a completely straight face and with no no emotional so when I worked with a gang member, at all. when I worked with a gang member, okay, a long time ago, okay, um, he 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 was also a murderer, right? Okay. He would talk about shooting people with this great rage, and even in his expression when he would talk about murdering, yeah, he had a rage. Okay, and I think it takes some kind of anger to take a life. Mm. You're not going to be happy, I think, to take a life. Okay. For him, I think he was dealing with that we don't we're not seeing shown in the film that he's actually ever taken a life face to face at all for him to take a life in that way i think it's uncomfortable for anyone to take a life like that yeah but from what he says if we take on that he's still the journalist still human then i think it would come from that place of let me put her out of her misery yeah we should do something about her i think that line gives us an indication that he's being human by taking her life because she's begging and pleading, shoot me. Yeah. Is it possible that when he says we should, 
we we can't just leave her here that that's not something that he came up with himself but is actually something that he's heard other people say or suggest that you do in those types of situations you do that for that's what you're supposed to do quote unquote not for your enemy you do that for your soldiers you don't leave okay the soldier behind you save that's why you see these men yeah go after these other soldiers yeah because they want you know you save your comrade you yeah. don't leave a comrade down okay you take them with you okay a fallen comrade but for him to say that about the enemy and say we can't just leave her here he didn't say we should kill her he didn't say i want to like he tells the guy i'm not telling you what to do yeah. i'm not taking over i'm telling you that we can't just leave her here yeah we can't leave her like this yeah that to me says okay what is the indication of that you want to do it right yeah they they were not willing to kill her at that point they would have let her suffer sure because that maybe that's warrants it Mm -hmm. she killed three of their men okay right the the leader of the group the one black man and one white man they killed them yeah she shot them in a way that they were suffering yeah the leg the arm the hand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so other guys would come in try to save them okay he says we can't just leave her here another soldier would have just shot her like let me just end it for them it was let's let you suffer like you made our guys suffer we want you to suffer until you die yeah and for her to say just shoot me she's asking for it to be over that's why she said her prayers she says her prayers because i'm ready to die shoot me i'm i'm ready to go but yeah he's answering her prayers by shooting her but so my i guess my question about you know if that was something that he had heard like that type of you know that's how you're supposed to approach the situation is are you saying that because he heard that before that's the only he's mimicking what he's heard that's the only reason why he would then this is bring bring that up like we can't just leave him there but this is this is what this, this what, is what i'm thinking what makes you say that i think that he believes that is the right thing to do not based off of who he is himself but based off what he thinks a good person is supposed to do in that situation so i don't think i don't know if he is actually a good person or not and that would say that he's a sociopath well i don't know what he is but i don't know okay so i'm gonna give you a couple pieces of evidence to try to support this okay so i don't know if you noticed this this is something that i just picked up when i watched it this time but when he decides to shoot her yeah he's struggling right yeah and so what do we see in terms of the visual storytelling is his body moving ever so slightly to the side ever so slightly to the side ever so slightly to the side do you notice what's happening as he's doing this no what's happening the peace sign mm-hmm. which is on his heart by the way mm-hmm. where his heart is located is slowly being eclipsed mm-hmm. slowly disappearing as he's moving meanwhile his head is going down a little bit the whole time and 
the head representing your brain and representing maybe the identification with the military and the word kill is coming more clearly into view right until the moment he finally kills her the peace sign is completely covered and is no longer seen and then it slowly comes back what do you think so kubrick was a master in terms of choosing what he was going to put into the scene mm-hmm. he didn't make any mistakes he spent a lot of time doing this kind of stuff i'm imagining he probably shot this scene many many times you don't think that means something that at the point that he kills this person that his peace sign or his heart perhaps is eclipsed and that is no longer seen what do you think that means I mean, I don't know if that supports the idea that but, okay, he's like not so like he's anti-social. What do you that think that would mean, though, if 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 in terms of us like representing something that all of a sudden your heart has been dark, blackened, let's say it's, right. it's there. It's no longer there at the time you kill this person. What is that supposed to say about a person or about that character, do you think? I think in any sense, any moralistic sense, although you may do it from a place of, hey, let me show this person compassion and way out, death is still death. You're still killing or taking mm-hmm. a life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that means. That although he may have the peace sign when it comes to killing, it's still killing a person. Okay. Regardless of whether they're the enemy or not, they're, he is shooting a person. He could have... The other would have been, let's get this person help. But they didn't. That wasn't what they were trying to do. The only kind of help they could have given her was the exit, a quick exit. Yeah. Which the other would have been justified to let her just suffer and die. That would have been, I think, for me, letting her suffer and die Mm -hmm. would have been more of that darkened heart, which the other guys are portraying because then that would Maybe. be like you're watching your enemy suffer Maybe. and there could be great enjoyment in watching out. Yeah. And watching someone die that way. Yeah. Especially someone who yeah. hurt, but it, those who you're close with, like your brothers, but if arms. he, but if he did that, there wouldn't be much of a discussion about this then would there, <laughs> if he decided to just leave her there, right. Mm-hmm. That was his a joker's choice. There wouldn't be much of a, a discussion going on between you and me right now about what's no, what happened I, in that situation. We would both agree. Well, I'm that, going with your idea. Yeah. I'm going with your idea that, you know, taking a life regardless is taking a life. To cover the the peace sign yeah. with the band is still taking a life. But I think it's I think what I'm trying to get at is it's it's how you do it and what what is behind you you making that action and that perhaps what happens in that moment is we're seeing that he actually was, has a closed off heart in that he did it for the wrong reasons. He did it to be, to appear to be a good guy as opposed to um, doing it for the best reasons and doing it because he actually cared about that person and he cared about her suffering. We're talking about the same neurotic guy that we've been referring to that has seems like he's been pushing towards the side of the Marines the entire film. 
I so mean, why do we think that all of a sudden he's done this for the right reasons? We think that he's done it for the right reasons because of the what he says, mm. which that line is open to interpretation. Very open. But we go back further. Yeah, next into scene. The, no, into the beginning okay. of the film. And in the beginning of the film, it says, the drill sergeant asks him, why are you here? Mm-hmm. What does he say? Why what? is he there? I don't know. I want to kill. Mm. I want to kill people. Mm. That was I, his kill. He during the documentary no that they're way. filming, he says, "I want to be the first one to get back uh, to have a uh, a registered kill in my hometown." Yeah, well, that's his motivation. Mm. He wants to kill. It's not as if he's a good person, mm. and I think it really relates to what you're saying. Then, which dude, is, you're a, you just open the whole thing up by making that statement. Yeah, because it's like. What if he's saying that we need to end her suffering because he actually secretly wants to get his kill and he wants to get it in the easiest way possible, which is not having to actually do it in battle, but have somebody just lying right in front of you and you're able to do it without any struggle. I mean, I see him, I see him as not being, because that's kind of scary. It work, would be scary. Well, to be around a person like that, because a For person sure. like that is not authentic. Uh, yeah. A person like that. <laughs> well, look, the one thing I, the one thing, even in my practice and what I do with people, when I meet people in general, I'll give a little trade secret here. Okay. When I meet people in general, I judge them by the first five minutes of the conversation. Mm. Because when I'm having a conversation with a person, oh, I have anxiety. I gotten better at it. But when I meet people just in person, the first five minutes of talking to someone, they will reveal so much shit about themselves that once you actually listen and pick up the cues, you understand them. Mm -hmm. For him, Mm -hmm. one of the first things he says is, I want to kill people. Yeah. I take that shit at face value. Well, there you go. You know, and then we do see the part. And he had never killed anybody in the whole movie. He seems like he he wants to do that. He's motivated. He it. Yeah, well, he's motivated by that. But to be able to do that, you have to play the role. You have to be able to function as the soldier, play the role of the journalist, and then pr- play the role I, I mean, that, of, of a good person. really but, blowing my mind the way but, we're talking about this right now. Well, that's, because that's really how you look at people. Because there are people in this world who play the roles. So, so what if he saw, what if he actually sees the sniper as the perfect opportunity for him to get his kill. No, I agree with a you. A person laying there defenseless <laughs> and he can use the cover of, Oh, we need to. So there, there is some, this is, this is, for that. this is blowing my mind right now. Cause <laughs> why? Cause think about it this way. He, he's able to continue his, I can't believe you didn't get that. His neurotic condition. Yeah. Because he can be, the the good guy in a way by yeah. saying that he's killing this person for the right reasons but he can also be the badass killer that he wants to tell other people he is because he actually killed somebody now he has a registered kill so he's both these people but he's neither of them at the same time no he's 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 has two different personalities that he's has as part of his life but he's not fully one of e- either no because he's split between both or more than one 
He's split between more than one, so he doesn't have a real sense of self. The split between this head and the heart, the whole, the, what they talk about in that yeah. in that scene with the guy of, it's the union thing, sir. Yeah, and he knows it. It's like he 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 knows it, but he doesn't know it. That that's what he's struggling with. That's when I was watching the movie like earlier, I was arguing like, okay, like he's doing it to out of a sense of compassion, but that's what I would do. Mm. out of a sense of compassion mm. like if someone was lying there and i had to yeah yeah fuck it i'm, gonna, sure. I'm gonna fucking do it but i'm not gonna think about it because for me my interpretation of that was this this sniper was killing everyone i would have shot them yeah right then and there yeah. i wouldn't have waited for the guys to come around i would only you try to kill me done yeah. but that's because that's the end justifies the meaning for me it's like yeah. i have these people who yeah. i care about and you've killed them yeah. done Yep. I don't need to create this. I don't need witnesses to see me kill you. And he needed the witnesses mm. for the confirmation of his kill because that's what he's portraying. In the, Seems like it. In the film too, saying that. He wanted to be him, that that guy to all these guys. Right? He wanted to be admired by the other men. Yeah. And that sense of admiration, I think it even helped them. There is some narcissism yeah. um, that does relate to antisocial personality. Right, there's some there is a lack of empathy, right? Yeah, and I, so I think you know he, he kills her, and that the final part of this movie, which is only a couple minutes long, I I do think that it confirms what we're talking about, and I, I'm glad that we waited to bring this up, but I do think it confirms that he killed her for the wrong reasons, and that he and that he ends up identifying more with the group at the end because what happens what happens at the end what's what is the song that they're singing what song are they singing at the end m-i-c-k-e-y mickey mouse so they're singing as a group that was fucking disgusting mickey mouse yeah which is a childish song it's a it's a group it's a song about group mentality about joining a club yeah and following your leader yeah and they're all singing in perfect harmony and he's right along with them and he has a smile on his face if you notice he's in the forefront of this of the scene and he's smiling the entire time but then what is he talking about in the narration what is he saying he's saying i i i can't remember the line exactly but something about wet erect nipple wet dreams of fantasy fuck fest when i return home with mary rotten crotch which doesn't seem like it was a real person's name nope that's what the drill sergeant was teaching those guys yeah but he he's his mind is on going back home and having some sex fantasy sex yeah and meanwhile singing mickey mouse with all his buddies right and then he says yes i'm in a world of shit Mm-hmm. which is what private pile said we're in a world of shit but i'm in one piece and i'm alive and i think what he's saying there is he he's allowing himself to be okay to be in this world of shit with these other people right i'm part of this now right. i'm part of that world of shit and it's okay cuz i'm alive yeah and i think all i think that whole end confirms what we were just talking about and that he killed her for some malicious reasons 
that he didn't let on to everybody and it wasn't for why he said he was going to do it. He joined the group. He, good, he assimilated I mean, with the group in the end. And he, he went away from his heart. He went away from his internal, his internal guide, what think, could have been his internal guide. That's what everyone was trying to tell him to do. Everyone was trying to get him to accept who he should be. Yeah, they, they kept telling even when the guy asked him between, you know, you have that on your helmet and you have that on your on your chest. Which one is it, son? He rem- you gotta commit. You gotta do what we're asking you to do and you gotta fight for our country. I saw him as the return of the drill sergeant. That guy. Yeah, like maybe. Guy, he was the same voice, the same kind of demeanor. Maybe. The same way. He answered to him in the same way. Become him. Well, no, the the drill sergeant, the one, well, the yeah. guy he met with, yeah, he spoke just like his old oh, drill yeah, sergeant. Yeah, okay. I saw him as a second version of the guy. Yeah. So it was sort of a reminder carbon of carbon copies. Carbon copies. So it was a reminder of, okay, Private Joker, who are you supposed to be? Are you a journalist or are you a soldier? Yeah. Why are you wearing a peace sign and murder? Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of like, I'm calling you out on your contradiction. Yeah. Don't contradict yourself. The, it, the world the end, is constantly asking him to pick a side. Yeah, and, and he did. And I think he picks that side at the end. Yeah, he did. And he seemed content with that at the end. He was happy because he I liked what you said. What he was saying and narrating at the end was, I'm going to go back home. I'm in a world of shit, yeah. but I'm still alive. But I'm going to go fuck Susie Rotten Crotch yeah. and fucking whatever else he Go said. back into my fantasy dream. Yeah. Go back into whatever you know delusion of a life I have been living. I mean, then we go back into thinking: How do they transition back into regular society? Because regular society is not asking you to go fuck Susan Ron Crotch. Regular society is saying, "Go have a pie with Matilda over there. Yeah, go relax. Go have a couple of kids. Why pick a fence, a dog, and a home? Yeah, Let's just go chill." Yeah. But how can you chill when you've been in such a state of consciousness? You've been so elevated to take on this role of a soldier yeah. that everything to you looks like I have to fuck it, fuck or yeah. kill. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I thought this was amazing. This was <laughs> the last 30 minutes were uh, a little mind blowing to me. We're. we're over our normal time so i think this is a good time to end i appreciate you humoring me and going hard in the paint on the union stuff today (laughs) i hope we did it justice i think we did i think this is (laughs) i think this was um more than i had bargained for and maybe more than you bargained for but uh it was good so next podcast we'll do next week Another Kubrick movie. I think we're going to do The Shining. Do you want to watch The Shining or do you want to watch Eyes Wide Shut? You pick. Pick let's, right now. Let's watch The Shining. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Shining's, I, I love that movie. It's a classic movie, but there's some good psychology in there too. And it seems like that's something that you need to refresh on. So we're going to watch that. Here's Johnny. Fourth. We're going to pick some <laughs> carne asada. Fourth of July. <laughs> watch, the, watch, yeah, watch The Shining. <laughs> Maybe I'll let you have a couple beers or buy you a nice beer for you or drink some sparkling water. And then next Saturday, we'll do the podcast for it. Sounds good. 
was good, man. I appreciate your time as always. Appreciate you. Uh, this is Michael. This is Eamon. This is Deconstructing the Psyche. See you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye.